0: To welcome to you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I uh, thought it was interesting when uh, Roderick opened the services with hymn uh, number one. I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter one. Some time back, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was probably last December, I was in uh, another church another community for a meeting and uh, as I was leaving that meeting I, I walked uh, we'd been the Sanctuary and the Fellowship Hall and then as I was leaving we had parked in the back parking lot as I was leaving that church I walked back through the, the, the hallway to the Sunday School wing and library education wing or whatever you want to call it and in that uh, foyer, in the library foyer there, as I was getting my things to leave, I just happened to look up and glance around that fairly large foyer there and then had a wing that went back through the Sunday school rooms. And in that foyer where the library was, there was uh, around that around that ceiling or on the wall, just up about ceiling height, there was uh, some uh, uh, murals. And uh, it had uh, an interesting... Uh, concept that impressed me and I preachers I guess are always looking for sermon ideas and, and I, I, I jotted those those uh, the headings of those murals on that wall down and uh, it was actually what it was was uh, uh, marks of, on the uh, important marks on time and uh, I thought it was very interesting the way they had them titled First of all they had a scene depicting creation and then they had one depicting corruption, the fall of man. And then they had the catastrophic event of the flood. Then they had the confusion of the Torah battle. And then they had Christ. And then they had the cross. And then they had the final consummation, which would be the end of time. Those scenes depicted around the wall of that uh, foyer there where their church library was. And uh, so this morning I want to uh, look at the first one of those seven important marks in time. And I was uh, thinking about asking you what... Uh, you know, as you think about time, uh, and there's another thing that probably got me thinking about this, and I maybe will mention it later on, and I don't know how many of you are aware of that, but actually, time, uh, I was thinking as I read and prepared, I thought about this. I don't know if you're aware that on Tuesday, June 30th, our, our timekeepers of the world are going to add a, an extra second to the day. Anybody see that? You're going to have a longer day. It happens occasionally. Uh, in our exactness of uh, keeping track of time, the world is not exactly spinning in perfect rotation, so you've got to adjust it occasionally. So on June 30th, if you're looking for a little extra time, you'll have one second more uh, at midnight. So uh, you may want to cash in on that extra second. But uh, So uh, I also thought about uh, the idea in, in this... Ties in some with our Sunday school lesson as well. Hebrews chapter 11. You need to turn to that if you're back at Genesis yet. I want to come back there just shortly. But Hebrews chapter 11 verse uh, 3 tells us uh, this aspect as we think in relation to creation. It says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now that's a statement, uh, an inspired statement written by the, the writer of the Scripture. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, how important is it this morning what I believe about creation? Well, I'd like to tell you, I think it's very, very important. And i like to say that I think it's the, the key to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our relationship to God. I don't have any door at home that that key actually fits, to the best of my knowledge. I think that's an ornamental key. But uh, I wanted to bring that key along to illustrate this morning that I, I think our understanding of, of, of what the Bible teaches about creation is, is important. And we dare never compromise uh, on what the Scriptures teach. There's a lot of things. You know, God wouldn't have really had to give us Genesis. God wouldn't have had to tell us what He did. I think we talked about that God resting on that 7th day, but God did it because he knew we needed it and we could benefit by it. And the Hebrew writer there tells us that uh, it's through faith that we there are alternatives that are are being offered today. And uh you know those alternatives are certainly not very uh very attractive and I may just uh, mention uh the alternative that we're probably that comes or are the forefront of our mind is the idea of evolution. And uh, just a few thoughts here that I printed down. Creation evidence, the great debate of origins. It is agreed on all sides that there are only two possible solutions to the riddle of our origins. Either someone made the world or the world made itself. A third option, the world is eternal and without origin, contradicts natural laws such as thermodynamics and has been disproven with math- mathematical certainty in the 20th century. As the universe is obviously complex and seemingly well-designed, a designer should be the scientific default. In everything we observe today, concept and design are the result of a mind. Furthermore, natural laws such as gravity, inverse space, cause and effect, and thermodynamics imply that there is a lawgiver. And uh, we realize that there is much to be embraced in our revelation of what Jesus gave us, what God gave us through the scripture in Genesis chapter 1. And uh, we could look at some of the uh, hard evidence, and I, it may, you may find it boring. It says uh, creation evidence. Uh, a few brief examples: there's the lack of transitional fossils, uh, referring to Charles Darwin's uh, uh, theory of evolution. The lack of natural mechanicism, you know, that it would keep evolving. Time constraints, unacceptable models of origin, and uh, so on. But uh, I do not want to distract you and take away from the Scripture by looking at some of those some of those things. I had to think this morning, how would it be, uh, and, and we cannot in our finite minds, at least I can, how would it be to be like God and have created something as as wonderful as the world and as, farf, as wonderful as mankind and as complex as we are, and yet so very simple in so many ways. And then to have man come up with a, a different uh, uh, theory or alternative to say that, you know, really, we... we our origin is, is something different than what what God has revealed in His Word. How would that feel to be like, like that? I, I can't comprehend that. As close as I could get would be as a parent, and I think that's why God allows us to be parent. I think that's why God allows us to be partner with Him in procreating and multiplying and and, and uh, being fruitful and replenishing the earth it's so that we get a glimpse of what He experiences. So the nearest I could come to was me as a parent this morning. Suppose one of my four children would come to me and say that, you know, after I was there at their birth and after I cared for them and provided for them, and they come up to me and say, well, you know, I, I really don't believe what you've told me all this long time. I think I have a different origin than you, even though I have been uh, responsible for their progenity. I have, I have been cared for them. I've taken care of them. They're, they're part of my Uh, lineage and uh, you know that's as close as I can come and that you know I would find that disappointing uh, to think that my children would not view me as their parent and father think how God views that and uh, maybe gives us just a small glimpse of what how God feels I don't know well I'd like to suggest this morning uh, take a look around you can you can look around you this morning and you can turn the whole way around. I'm getting, the preachers authorizing you to do that this morning. Just take a look around you this morning. What do you see? Take a moment. I'm tired of you looking at me. Look around. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you see? Anybody? People. People? Okay? I saw some of you looking at your partners. <laughs> That's good. That's healthy. Okay, creation out the window, the world, the, the natural world as we know it. I had to think about this structure, this building. Uh, you know, the cement, I think, came from Awatana Concrete. A lot of the supplies either came from Menards or uh, UBS. UBS, United Building Center, I think, a few of them maybe. Mostly Menards, I think. Yes, yeah. UBC. <laughs> I think it didn't sound right. <laughs> you look kind of blank, Dennis. <laughs> but, you know, where, where did they get it from? Where did, where did Avatani get the, the, uh, the ingredients for their concrete? Uh, you know, it's all the natural resources. Dennis was looking beyond. He was looking out the windows. You know, the lumber, it's all part of our natural resources. And even, even if you looked at, somebody said people, even if we looked at the species that we have here this morning, we're all of the same origin. And we can communicate and talk and think together, and uh, we can encourage each other. And that's some of the purpose of being here this morning. It's a form of rest for us to uh, now. If you have to preach or teach, that's not necessarily restful. But you know, one of the things I, I was thinking about that as as, as we were sharing the Sunday school lesson, one of the things that I have learned and I've experienced, and, and I'm sure all of you probably would have have experienced this too, that oftentimes. You know, you think you're benefiting other people, but in reality, oftentimes you end up benefiting just as much or more than what the other people benefit from. So it's not hinging on me. It's oftentimes what God can teach me or you, as you share so, so many times. As God uses you in whatever channel that might be, it might be teaching a Sunday school class. It might be doing some helping a person in need, whatever that may be. And and it's a benefit that you get from that. That is 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 oftentimes the the, the highest point of the experience. You know, I had to think as I, I was thinking about, you know, it, it mentions there, in the beginning, God created, in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it's, it's a very, very simple statement. You know, who of us here sitting here this morning can say that I have created this? Just simply, vocally, speaking it into existence. You know, I had to think back many years ago when I was just a young person, and uh, one of my aspirations, last Sunday, Darren was talking about aerophobia. Is that what you're talking about? What's it called? The fear of flying. And he didn't get it from me. I I wanted to fly. I wanted to be a pilot, actually. I had a good friend that flew. His father was a pilot, and his brother was a pilot. And then I had a a sister that married... uh, Dan and Darla's dad flew and when he was dating he'd fly his little Cessna over our place and flap the wings and, and I don't know if it was a Cessna, I don't know what number it was, it was a tailwheeler do you remember you know what it was, Dan? What number? Oh, no, it was a graven as I remember. Okay. Anyway. So I had a fascination with flying, and one of my goals as a young person, I thought, well, I want to be a pilot. I like to fly. And uh I, uh, before I did that, I, th- I said, okay, there's going to be some other things i got to do first. And, and one of the things was, I said, okay, I'm going to need a desk to study at. I was working at a wood shop, so I thought, okay, I'm going to build a desk. And uh, I drew up plans, and I designed it, and I, I built it. But, you know, there's a lot of work in that uh, for uh, a country farm boy. And, uh, you know, I, I still have that desk today. I still use it. I prepare my sermons at it. And I guess the Lord had something else in mind. I finally gave up on being a pilot, and I realized it was probably not... Uh, for the Lord's glory, and uh, I do have a nephew that has since gone on to be a pilot, and has uh, is still actually flying commercially for, uh, I think he's a freight pilot for FedEx. But uh, the Lord had other plans in mind. He left me build the desk, and and so it serves another purpose of not studying to to fly, but to uh, to prepare sermons or whatever. But uh, you know, again that creating that desk. I'm the originator of that desk. There's probably not another desk like it in the whole country. There's a few boo-boos. I can show them to you. Uh, Actually, I was doing the top, and it was a solid pine desk, and something happened to the one corner of the top. And uh, so I actually had to... uh, There's a saw cut, if I could show it to you, where I had lipped it and everything, and I actually... It got damaged. I did not want to replace the whole top. And uh, so I actually... Fudged in another corner, cut it off, and fudged in another corner. You can—it really isn't real visible, but you can see a little bit of the grain mismatched, Did not match up perfectly, but I created that. It gives it uniqueness, I guess, a little like me. But uh, need a few corners rounded off every now and then. But uh, you know, there's effort. It takes. It, it takes us. But to think how great our God is—that He can speak this world. This. Everything as we see it today into existence, and everything that we have, even the the benches, uh, the podium here, you know, it's it's all you know, it all comes together because of effort that we had to put together. But we're using God's resources to do that, and we're indebted to Him. I found it interesting in Annals of the World by. User, I think it is somewhere he came up, and I'm not here to necessarily advocate that. When did actually time begin? And uh, he, with his calculations, comes up that it began in October 23rd. Uh, Anybody ever hear that before? I I, saw, I I found that just fascinating a little bit. That he said, you know, if we go back through his through the chronological time, that's that's when the first day would have been October 23rd. And uh, I'm just giving that for what it's worth. I, I'm not endorsing that necessarily because to me it really doesn't matter. Uh, the first day was the first day that God created, and regardless what the calendar said, I guess it was still just the first day. Some people are fascinated with those facts, and uh, like I said, it's, it's what it is, I guess. But John 1, when we think of, of when God created well, it was in the beginning God created it. And in in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we also find another aspect of that uh, as we think of Jesus as a partner, as a son in the creation. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and that Word is actually capitalized, should be capitalized in your Bibles, and that's referring to Jesus Christ. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made. That was made in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus was that light, and he was with God in the creation of the world. When they asked the question, why did God create? That was one of the thoughts that entered my mind as I, I thought about this message. You know, why did God create the world? Uh, well, we look at Revelations chapter 4, verse uh, 11, and... Uh, We sing that chorus many times, that he is indeed worthy. Revelations 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And then if we go to Colossians, we find that Jesus finds uh, pleasure, and they were created for him as well. Colossians 1 verses 16 and 17 tell us this. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And in verse 15 clearly ties it. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? And that's talking about Jesus Christ there in verses 16 and 17. I should have read verse 15 uh, before that, but it's, it's referring to Jesus Christ. And he is is uh, they were created for him and uh, by him. All things were created by him and for him. So you think about that, as you think about creation this morning. It's a mark on on the span of time that we need to, to uh, look at, we need to give recognition to. I'd like to uh, read through uh, Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 2, I already read uh, verse 1, 2 through 28. Genesis 2, And the earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And that's the other part of the Trinity we see there in the Godhead, the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. So we see God the Father, we see God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit present in creation. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And the gathering together of the waters called he sees, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed seed, After his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. In the evening and the morning were the third day, and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, for the seasons, and for the days and the years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens, to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights: the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth. And in the open firmament of the heaven and God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That's where I'm going to stop. And, you know, after we read that, we can almost sit back and take a breath and say, wow, you know, that's, that was quite a task, you know, if it was for man to do it. Now, for God, it was simple. Uh, and we, we talked about that in the Sunday school, that after he had done that, he rested on that seventh day. But, uh, you know, on day, uh, day one, there was that light and darkness, separating light and darkness. And day two was the firmament or the atmosphere, the waters being separated. Day three, we have the separating of the land and the sea. And then day four, we have him specifically placing the lights, the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky. Uh, day five, we have the the animal, birds, insect and fish, or rather day six is the beast. Uh, day five would be the marine and uh, avian birds. Day six was beasts and man. And then day seven, we see that he, if we read on there in Genesis chapter two, verses two and three, says on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made it. I thought it was interesting to think that God called that work. Uh, you know, we think of work as maybe drudgery or taking effort. And we think of God not having to exert a lot of effort. I, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm still thinking that through. We talked about that in the Sunday school lesson this morning. How much effort did it take? Well, he spoke it into existence. But... Uh, uh, I don't know. It, it says God rested. And as I mentioned, I think He did it. He rested for our example so that we uh, know that as His creation, we need rest and a time of renewal spiritually to, to come to Him. There's another article I wanted to read here that I thought was rather interesting from Answers in Genesis. Why did God take six days to it? And. Uh, when one picks up a Bible and reads Genesis chapter 1 it takes, and takes it at face value, it seems to say that God created the world, the universe, and everything in them in six ordinary, approximately 24-hour interval days. However, there is a view in our churches which has become prevalent over the years that these days could have been thousands, millions, or even billions of years in duration. Does it really matter what length these days were? Is it possible to determine whether or not they were ordinary days or long periods of times? And this is what he has to say. He says, what is a day? Well, he says, the word day in Genesis 1, in the Hebrew word yom, y-o-m, it can mean either a day in the ordinary 24-hour period or the daylight portion of that day. And so he's saying that that the Hebrew, original Hebrew given here is is definitely giving it identity as what we would know as as a 24-hour period or at least the daylight period of that day. So I, I think we need to lay to rest the idea that you know it happened any other way, and that's why I think taking Genesis chapter one at its face value, as we read it in faith, as Hebrews said, we believe it by faith. I don't know if you you caught that or not, and I don't know if I thought so much about it before, but as I was studying here, you know, it mentions God creating light and darkness, and the light and the darkness, you know, as we know light today, the sun is the origin of that, uh, but evidently. God created light and darkness, and then created the sun. And uh, as a object of that light, later on on day uh, on uh, day four, actually, He gives specific identity of creating the sun, the moon, and the stars. But light as 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 an as a uh, as we separating the light and darkness was actually done on day one. And He has this to say: a day in the sun. How could there be day and night if the sun wasn't in existence? After all, it is clear from Genesis 1 that the sun was not created until day 4. Genesis 1.3 tells us that God created light on the first day. And the phrase, the evening and the morning, shows that there were alternating periods of light and darkness, even without the sun being the object of that. Uh, Genesis 1.3 means the substance of light that was created, I believe. Um Again, coming back to my original question in regards to the six days, God is an infinite being. He has infinite power, infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom. Obviously, God could then make anything he desired. He could have created the whole universe, the earth, and all it contains in no time period at all, perhaps. Perhaps the question we should be asking is, why did God take as long as six days? And uh, after all, six days is a peculiar period of time for an infinite being to make anything. The answer can be found in Exodus 20, verse 11. And that goes back to the account of the Ten Commandments. And uh, there we find in uh, Exodus that, uh, in verse 11, For in six days the Lord, and this is when he told them to honor the Sabbath day, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested on that seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And I think the Lord did that and gave those markings of those days for us, even as we observe that seven-day week period today. And as we rest on now in the New Testament dispensation, we rest on the first day of the week, giving God our best on the first day. As we think of the the span of time, six days, uh, again, we may challenge that thought with, you know, we find in uh, 2 Peter 3, verse 8, where it says, God does not reckon time as we have. It says uh, in 2 Peter 3, verse 8, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, well that one day is with the Lord. That's a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Again, uh, this verse is used by many who teach, by inference at least, that the days in Genesis must be a thousand years long. The reasoning, however, is quite wrong. Turning to Psalms 90, verse 4, we read a similar verse, For a thousand years in thy sight are as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch, is, as a watch in the night. In both Second Peter and, and in Psalms 90, the whole context is that God is neither limited. I like this thought that God is neither limited by natural process of time. God is not limited by that. We are, as mankind. And I think God is giving us a point of reference here. As we see those days identified, God is neither limited by natural processes nor by time. to the contrary, God is outside of time. He is the one that actually created time and uh, we are we are uh, we are indebted to him for the time that our our lives are the days that we have on this earth we are indebted to him I'd like to suggest this morning that uh, you know, Day and night are actually a covenant reminder that God is the Keeper of time. And He is He is still on the throne today. As we have day and night on a 24-hour cycle, we have a reminder that God is, is still on the throne. And uh, Jeremiah 33, verses 25 and verse 26 says, Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night... I like that expression. He says that, Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinance of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. The Lord is telling Jeremiah, I believe quoting answers in Genesis here, he says, the Lord is telling Jeremiah that he is a covenant with the day and night which cannot be broken. Uh, You you and I cannot alter that cycle, however hard we may try. We may work day and night. You can do that. You can try that. But it still is day and night. And uh, I was impressed with that thought that God gives us a 24-hour reminder of who He is. He is still the Creator and we are the created. Um, and again, that, that promise that Jeremiah is talking about is talking about Christ uh, being on the throne of David. And Christ indeed is on that throne today. So we, we look at that the as we think of the, the purpose of, of the the day cycle. It's, it's just like we, we often refer to the rainbow as a covenant reminder that God will not flood the earth, the entire earth. We have a covenant reminder here in the daily cycle that God is still on the throne. And as the sun cycles, the earth spins, and the day and night are part of our lives, it's a reminder that... That God is still on the throne. One of the other things I thought about, or two other things that I thought about that uh, are challenged, you know, it says there that he created them male and female. You know, our, our uh, and another word that is in the news periodically is that of transgender. And, uh, you know, those, those are, are things that are being challenged in our world today, in our culture today. And even though our nation's Supreme Court ruled in favor of the constitutional right of the same-sex marriages, it does not change that God has a plan and a purpose by creating them male and female. And uh, we dare not waver on that, that truth this morning or any time. Well, what are some established exhibits of or through creation? I'd like to just uh, point a few of these to you this morning What are some established exhibits that we can see through creation? In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, I think we see the deity of God through creation. Romans 1, verse 20 reads like this. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay? We have established in our creation this morning what we see. It establishes the deity of God. It says, so they are without excuse. Uh, I mentioned the alternative, that of evolution. And uh, it's interesting, uh, one of the writers here and one of the commentators suggested, I mentioned that verse in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, that by faith, we. nobody here saw that. Nobody experienced was back there in creation. Uh, God inspired the writer of Moses to record that for us, for our benefit. And, uh, but to think that uh, mankind today is looking for an alternative uh, other than uh, putting faith in God. And one of the commentators and writers suggested that actually the evolutionist has to exhibit more faith than what you and I as children of God need to because of its inconsistency and lack of evidential proof. So we see the the evidence of uh, God's deity established in the created world as we see it today. We also see his power, it mentions that there, even his eternal power and Godhead. I'd like to just uh, flip back to the Old Testament as I think about that. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verses uh, 26 and uh, 28. "...Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For he that is strong and par, and not one faileth, why saith thou, Jacob, and speaketh of Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary?" There is no searching of his understanding. And I like the way Isaiah puts that in perspective. You know, we can, we can read and we can, uh, you know, scientifically we can, and I, I believe science actually does embrace creation if we're honest about it. But I think there's an element of faith. There's still an element of faith that we need to express uh, as we endorse the, uh, the evidence of creation. Another evidence or exhibit that we have in creation is is that it glorifies God. If we look back to the Psalms 19, like the way the psalmist mentioned says, it brings glory to God and you and I as created beings need to recognize our uh, uh, importance or our purpose. And I guess that's another thing I want to mention, you know, the fact of endorsing creation gives, it's a key, but it gives purpose and meaning to life. There's, there's a deity that we are accountable to. And uh, uh, Psalms 19, I think that's what the psalmist here was implying. He says, "...the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day there is speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world." In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. It's talking about natural creation there. Uh, I have those first six verses there entitled, Revelation of God Through Nature or By Nature. If you look at verses 7 through uh, 11, we see revelation by the word of God. So God has given us revelation through nature as we see it. And then later there in in the Psalms, we have revelations through his word. And then uh, at the end of the chapter there, or the end of the Psalm there, verses 12 through 14, we find uh, revelation through our heart. Uh, Who can understand his ears? It's by God uh, speaking, working through our hearts. So we need to glorify God. That's an exhibit. That we see through creation. It also, flipping back further in Psalms 104, it also gives, uh, you know, if it's created, like my desk is mine. I created it. It's still mine. So the creation, everything that we see actually belongs to the Lord. We are only stewards of it at best. And Psalms 104 verse 24 tells us this. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Thy riches? Thy riches? Do you realize that everything I possess, everything you possess this morning is actually belongs to the Lord? The earth is full of thy riches. Another exhibit is it's God's goodness to mankind. Looking at back further in Psalms, Psalms thirty three verse five familiar verse. Psalms thirty three verse five. He that loveth righteousness he that loveth righteousness and judgment, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, and I don't know if you've thought about that. You know, realize the fact of all God in His creation, and uh, the way it is synchronized together, so that we can count on it, we can depend on it. Uh, seed time, harvest. Uh, you know, we can be have the most, the latest uh, technology. But, you know, and even even that idea of adding a second to June 30th, they said there's, uh, you know, the accuracy of time. You know, how many things are dependent on that accuracy of time uh, as far as uh, navigational aids and, uh, you know, such like. Uh, yet God is, is accurate. Uh, one of the thoughts that was projected as to why, what's happening in the earth that it's, it's and I'm not sure I... Uh, I can refute this one way or the other, but they said there's uh, some of the things that disturb the rotation of the Earth. Earth is uh, earthquakes, uh, tsunamis uh, affect the rotation to us to a most minute degree, and uh, then they need to uh, make adjustment. God's goodness to mankind is through His creation of the world. We're indebted to Him because of that. Acts chapter 17, another exhibit. It's God is the undisputed owner of all this. And uh, we see that in, the, uh, in Acts 17, verses 22 through 31. This is Paul speaking here at Mars Hill. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I have passed by and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with their inscriptions to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. And I think that's fascinating that Paul approached them from that angle. Uh, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live, and move, and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring, for as much then as we are offspring of God, we ought to... We ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead." And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. And I'll stop reading there. God is indeed the only undisputed owner of all that we have. Even your very life this morning. My life, your life. God deserves your life in service for Him. As we think about creation, I think we need to recognize that creation praises God. In Psalms 36, verses 1 through 9, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him alone doth, to Him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth Mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. Talk the sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote the Egyptians in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And I'll stop reading there. But he continues on down through all the history of God's people. And God used nature to praise him. Well, it also gives us a link of confidence this morning as we think of God as our Creator. It gives us a, gives us a confidence that we can rest, as we were talking about in a Sunday school lesson. Psalms 124 tells us this, the entire psalm. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler's The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And uh, may we truly have that confidence this morning that we are serving God as creator. Our lives are indebted in service to Him. May I remind you this morning, as we think of that mark on the timeline of time, that of creation, it is the key uh, to a vital Christian relationship to the Lord. We were at a family reunion this week, and uh, we didn't have the key to our uh, our bedroom. We got there late. It was midnight, I think. We were tired. We went into the room, and... Uh, there was a bed in there. It looked very inviting. It was cool. The air conditioner we got running. And we, lost and I, both stepped outside of the room. And uh, we went to go back in. The door was locked. <laughs> and uh, we did not have a key. We were never given a key, so we didn't lose it in a certain sense. I would have welcomed the key, but uh, I didn't want to disturb the caretaker at that hour in the morning or night, whatever it was, midnight. And uh, nephew Jason was there, and we tried to figure out... our. Our wallets and all our possessions were in the room. The van was outside. It was locked. So there we stood, staring at the starry sky. <laughs> and what we wanted most was a bed. And uh, that was between us and a locked door. Well, uh, Jason came to our... I said, does anyone have a credit card? And he said, well, yeah, I'll get one. So he uh, went and got a credit card. And it was a steel... It was a block wall. And it had a steel jam. And uh, I was not really very confident at work. But... Uh, with the Lord's help, and a few prayers, we were able to slip that credit card in, and it, it released. But uh, the 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 lock or the latch was the kind that of, you can turn it on the inside, regardless of whether it's locked or not. So it's kind of a a fooler. And uh, I said, before we go out that door, we got to make sure you can turn the knob on the other side. And uh, so, don't be caught out in the dark. Know what you believe in the Genesis account. Trust the Lord. And God gave us Genesis chapter 1 for a reason. We need to believe it by faith. We need to endorse it. And it gives us meaning and purpose to our lives. And in a world, in a time, in a culture that is questioning its origins, as Christians today, we can know where we came from. May God help us to live that way and know that we have a destiny. And uh, we'll come to some of the other seven points on that mark of time later on. Shall we kneel for prayer? Lord, we want to thank you for the wisdom of giving us Genesis chapter 1 so that we can have a reference point of knowing where we came from. Giving us a reference point of knowing who we are to serve. You are a great God. There's so many questions we could ask. But Lord, in our finite minds, even if you gave us the answer, would we be able to comprehend it? And uh, Lord, give us the dimension of faith that we need to endorse it, live it, believe it, so that we can be an example in this world in simple faith to follow you. Lord, there, is, there are many people in the world today who are searching, searching and do not understand the meaning and purpose of life, but we believe that you have a reason and purpose for every life that is created. And Lord, that is only realized as we find our place with the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray, Father, you would help us by the aid of your Spirit this morning to uh, understand to a full degree what each one of us this morning in attendance what your purpose is for our lives. May your spirit more fully infill us to be effective workers in your kingdom while you have given us time here in this earth. We know that we are looking forward to a time when we will be taken from this world and from its evil and its temptation. Lord, we pray that you would keep us from the evil one, each one of us. We know that the powers of Satan are pressing upon us. But Lord, we know that you're greater than uh, your greater, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And help us to lay claim to that promise this morning. Again, Father, may Your name be exalted and glorified through uh, creation. Even you, even as we are created beings this morning, we realize You are indebted to us. You have blessed us with the breath of life. You have given us never dying souls, and Lord, we want to return that soul to You in eternity. Pray, Father, You would uh, keep us in Your care through the coming week, and may our focus remain anchored in You. That's what we pray in Jesus' name.